Blog Talk Radio. You got to accentuate the positive feeling. Finate the negative, latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. You gotta spread joy up to the maximum. Bring gloom down to the minimum. Have faith. A pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you, our listening audience, with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness challenges and solutions. I am your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute. And in case you're unable to listen to the entire broadcast today, please visit my website at prosperitylifecoach.com for more coaching resources. Today, we are so honored to have with us Harriet Russell, and she's going to talk to us about cross-cultural competencies. And Harriet, she's qualified by education and life experiences to teach cross-cultural communication to others. In her yoga practice, wellness workshops, international speaking engagements, and everyday life, she has been able to create a heart-centered philosophy that emulates in everything she does. Her ability to speak eight different languages created the opportunity for her to translate for Peter Jennings, ABC News staff, at the Tokyo Economic Summit, educate and coach entrepreneurs in Minsk, and conduct business in Japan. She has taken spiritual retreats to India, Nepal, and Tibet, actively participated in Rotary International projects, and visited medical clinics with doctors specializing in yoga practices. Her travels have taken her to Christensen, and I'm hoping I'm saying that correct, and if I'm not, she's going to correct me. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Um, As an independent volunteer coaching English teachers on mythologies, um, artisans in small business development, and social workers, teachers, and school children in stress management and yoga. Working in corporate world, in the corporate world, Harriet owned her own business, which she operated from Japan for many years, worked in public relations for Sony, published for Encyclopedia Britannica, and has taught cross-cultural communications at universities and companies. She is the owner and operator of Boonies Yoga Studio, which certifies yoga practitioners, uh, facilitates workshops and seminars, to small and large companies and organizations and coaches in wellness and holistic health. Harriet, thank you so very much for being with us today. 
it is such an honor and, and such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Katrina. It's wonderful to connect with you through this modality across the states, and I'm looking forward to our interview today. Thank you for inviting me. You are welcome. Now, Harriet, we today, you know, we're going to be talking about cross-cultural competency, and that is such in, in our global society. In today's global society, being able to have competency when we're working with others from different cultures, from uh, different places, it is so essential. Uh, in order to just, in order to be successful, but just in order to be able to to maintain day-to-day business operations, and you have done it and done it well, and so I want I want to ask you. What has fueled your passion, your passion, for travel and language? That's a great question. You know, when one has a passion for something, then they do become successful because their mind and their heart are in it. I think I must have been born cross-culturally, even though my upbringing was quite uh, homogeneous. I always liked reading books as a child about faraway places, and I started learning foreign language words, one word here, casa for house, and futon for bed. And I just, I had this one little storybook that was one page was each country, and there was one foreign word per page, like casa and futon, as I said. And I was just so excited to see this foreign word there, and these people that looked different than me, and their houses looked differently, and their countries were places I didn't even know where they were till I looked at the map. So I think what fueled my, my travel and language passion is that I recognized early on that it was an interest of mine. I had a great aunt who used to travel, and she brought back a little doll from every different country that she went to. And I collected these dolls, and I had them for years and years and years, well into my middle age just as a reminder, wow, look at these, you know, culturally diverse and very uh, differently dressed uh, dolls from each region. So um, what fuels it, though, is that I continue to follow my passion. And whether you mentioned a lot about how I teach yoga and stress management, but my company, Uh Boomies International, is really all about cross-cultural communications and working with businesses which was my first career before yoga, working interculturally with business to try to put out fires and work with conflict resolution and learn about the different entities and peoples in the businesses or the different countries so that business and commerce could flow easily with small entrepreneurs and uh, medium-sized businesses. So with that, what I, with the language and studying languages and getting degrees in linguistics and such and teaching in different universities, the crossover into business was a very natural thing for me. And then the crossover into yoga and stress management really came from a place of being in Wall Street and finding myself in stress personally. So I had to put them together in order to move forward into the uh, continuing very complicated business world that's out there. So um, if that answered your question, it's about my passion 
what fuels it is continuing to find new and creative ways to continue with the changes in the world and and take it a day at a time. Uh, it was only several years ago uh, that I started studying a, a different language, Russian, and which took me to that country, Kyrgyzstan. And I had I had never imagined that, but I thought I need to freshen things up a bit. I'm going to study a different language. So it just keeps going on. But I think, in a way, you're kind of like if you follow your passion and you know who you are and you select uh, careers that are in alignment with what keeps you going, then there's always fuel for more. Wow. You know, you, you say it so much, and I, I appreciate I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, your passion and, and how you've turned your passion and your dreams into, into a, you know, into action goals, and you've turned it into a business. I, I appreciate that because there, there are so many of us who have experiences, and we look at our experiences as being random events opposed to looking at these events that happen in our life as being cumulative and, and, and preparing us for next levels. And, you know, you've been able to, yeah, you've been able to see that and, and, and um, you know, and, and, and allow your, your passions to, uh, to guide you. And, and I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing mm. that. People, we need to, we need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you. Well, it is true that um, when we're under stress or we're fearful of the next step or we're not happy where we're at because of overwhelming tensions and stresses, we're not able to really see where we're at or the path that can be before us that might be changing. But right. th- and that's why I did get into the stress management because it's a piece. Cross-cultural mm-hmm. competency and working with diverse situations can be a stressful situation. So that foundation of you know relaxation really is a big part of um, anything we do. The more relaxed, the more clear we are. And from that then comes a recognition and an actual knowing of which path to take, which way to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay. glad you that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a great lead-in to my next question. I, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about, about, and I hope I'm saying it correctly, Boomi? Boomi International. Yeah. Boomi. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, about your organization, your company. Uh, my company, Boomi's International, is uh, comprised of uh, trainings and consulting services for individuals and also for smaller, medium companies to bridge that gap of cross-cultural difficulty. This could mean a company that's locally, that has diverse populations within it, and people that just communicate differently. And I'm not talking about a foreign language. I am speaking that each person is unique and different, and sometimes more different than the next person, and this creates a cultural diversity. And so the companies need to be able to have this team connection so I work with companies on that level. And also a company may have a branch or an operation or an arm where they have IT people in another country or they're working with sales representatives in, in, in another part of the world and they need to be able to understand how to, to work together 
for the goals and achievements that the company set up, and that can have a cross-cultural element. A third way is actually how to make inroads into building relations, economic, political, or, or personal relations across the world when the culture and or the language may di- be different. Sometimes the language is still English, but the culture is different. And so there are, there are those, that's what I do. I work on um, that, and I do that through trainings, keynote speaking internationally. I was sent by the State Department to Minsk, Belarus, which you mentioned, and did uh, a week of uh, entrepreneurship forum keynote speaking and uh, um, university training there for different peoples and organizations in the government. And that was that was a beautiful experience. And so, you know, it's uh, I am a small entre- uh, small business myself, and so I am happy to say that I have the flexibility to be able to pick and choose where I go, and there's always new opportunities showing up for me. Wow. Um, it's supported, beautiful. I might add, that it's supported by uh, training programs, CDs, DVDs, like I said, keynote speaking at a trade association might be one example. It might just be a talk about how to open up to other possibilities within communications within the same company right in the same city. It doesn't necessarily have to be foreign or a foreign language to be diverse culturally. And I, I appreciate that you said that because I was going to touch on that. When I heard you say that in a different way the first time, the, the thought came to me, you know, it's so great that, that um, you know, that Harriet has mentioned that when you talk about culture, it's not necessarily dealing with someone who comes from a different country. I can, I can be dealing with somebody who comes from a different side of town, and we don't think the same way. And we, we can have a different culture. We can look just alike and have a different culture and have to learn how to understand each other's culture in order to, um, in, in order to help the team to progress or the company to, to move forward um, and eliminate conflict. That's so true. Sometimes we don't even realize that there's a cultural difference. We just think someone has a different personality or they have a different way of talking or communicating or they have a more extroverted personality and we're more introverted. And when we, uh, sometimes when I go in to look at some of the situations that are happening, I find that there's a cultural basis for it and people are pleasantly surprised because it's almost, it all, almost validates it. Because most people, individuals, when you're looking at your ego mind, are self-centered in their world. We're looking from my point of view, my perspective. So we kind of imagine that people that are like us, we have an easy flow with, and people that are different than us, we can either embrace that difference or we might find that it's hard to deal with because we don't understand it. But somehow when it's cultural diversity and labeled as such, sometimes we can back up and say, oh, there is a reason why. Now I can relax because it's just they're different culturally. You see what I mean? And um, mm. that sometimes helps it, although I don't like really labeling things in that way. It's like an illness. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the illness is, and you just have all the symptoms. You get very afraid and worried, and is it going to get worse, and what is it? And the minute a medical professional puts a label on it, it's the same symptoms. It's the same person having them, 
But somehow there's this feeling of, oh, okay, now I know what it is and I can move forward. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say one more thing about that. As you're talking, I'm thinking to myself how anxious sometimes I may get when I meet someone or when I know that I need I need to have a meeting with someone who's so much different than I am. Mm-hmm. And often that fear, often that, that, that anxiety or fear that I have is unwarranted. But there are times that I do have to research and learn about that person or, you know, about, you know, where they come from before I have mm-hmm. that meeting, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that I do have a better understanding of just who they are in a general way. So um, it just, you know, just dawned on me that there could be a lot of anxiety um, attached yeah. to, to to working with people in other places. Um, and, and in our global society, it's happening all the time where, you know, I may pick up the phone and, and uh, to Xerox and, or, or to somewhere anywhere, and I may be speaking to someone on the other side of the, of the country or yeah, other side of the world. That's right. So interesting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. although I offer, I offer the educational modality for learning, whether it's a mm-hmm. keynote speech or a training program, you and I coming from the coaching world as well, that's another mm-hmm. way that really works because you talked about researching something. But something that's yeah. written just gives you a safety net that says, oh, there's something written about it. Now I feel more confident because in my mind I think I know it better. But the reality mm-hmm. is that it comes really from your connection to the other person letting go, relaxing, and trusting that everyone ultimately has the same purpose, which is to make things work. But people go about it in a different way because they're holding on to their concept of what they think is right and has to be done to get to the goal. But once we peel away those surface concepts and go into the core of what everyone really wants, Usually the team wants the same thing for each other or the company or the other person on the other end that you're trying to develop some business with. The ultimate goal is you want to work together. So we peel away the superficial things, eliminate the stress, and come to a place of trust and openness that is beyond anything you can read or research. It's a way of being and a way of thinking. So what I do a lot with... um, cross-cultural training is coaching kind of techniques where the individuals need to get in touch with how they perceive themselves as an American or a Northerner or an Ohioan or whatever, and then they have to look at how does that, if you step out of your identity, how might someone else perceive you? And these, these you know, coaching techniques that we use, exploratory questioning. So my suggestion um, to you as you're going into those meetings is to just say, hey, um, you know, I, you do your research, you feel comfortable, then you go in, try to relax, and then ask some powerful questions, as you well know how to do, that are coaching style to them about what you might perceive that you need to know more about them and where they're coming from. I love that. I love that, <laughs> and I thank you for that. I thank you for that, and this is so interesting because as as a, a native Ohioan, 
I've relocated recently to Florida, which is a, a totally different culture. It is. And and I find my mhm and I find myself doing exactly, you know, those things that you've talked about. So yeah, very interesting. Right. I wanna ask you, Harriet I wanna ask you, Harriet, how do I know um how do I know if I have cross cultural competence? That's a very um, interesting question for me. How do you know if you have it? That, again, would pigeonhole it into that you either have it or you don't have it. I believe that everyone has it, but that you can refine it, increase it, and make it more visible. So part of cross-cultural competency, being competent in cross-cultural situations, is basic communication skills in your own language, basic human listening skills between each other. Again, trust, let go, relax. Don't make assumptions that are negative before you have full information. And then when you have full information, don't term those things as negative. Just term them as different than you and see if there is a meeting place in between or an uncovering, or an unraveling of the locked mindset that so often happens in business and political negotiations. So how do you know if you have cross-cultural competency? If it seems as if you are able to feel more or less comfortable working with people who are different than you culturally, and that could mean all levels of cultural differences, uh, from religious to racial to part of the country to language to customs uh, in um, daily life. We actually have a culture of your own family culture is different from another family culture. So if you're comfortable doing that and you are able to interact with people of differences without conflict, and when there is conflict, you're able to open up and recognize that that's okay and that's fine, but there's still a way to find a meeting place, then you are really on your way to cultural, cross-cultural competency. Mm-hmm. Intercultural, intercultural relations, or what we also call it is diversity, cultural diversity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay, so I want to... So it's not a measure. It's not a measure like a degree that says, okay, I got her or not. It really is about your own self-assessment. So it sounds like if that's the case, um, it's, it's constantly changing. Which, it, it, you know, I, I should always, I'm, if I'm doing this, um, you know, if I'm doing this, I'm always growing in it because as I meet different people, you know, my skills um, change. You know, I have to be, I have to be flexible and just open to new experiences. That really is what it. That is it, Katrina. And some people are not as open to uh, new experiences, and that's fine also. But recognize where you are at. Because it's not that everyone has to be the same, they'll love travel, love languages, uh, love the excitement of newness and differentness between people. That's not how everyone is. But at least if you're not, to recognize that there's a discomfort there And if you're put in a position where you need to have that for your work, for your professional atmosphere, 
Learn ways to relax within it so that at least you can function on a professional level, even if it's not your biggest comfort zone. So anyone can acquire uh, cross-cultural competency on some level. Like Does that, that make sense? Yeah. It does. It does. Thank you it's for that. It's a win-win-win. It's a win-win-win. And that statement in and of itself is a representation of what is multiculturalism and uh, competency in the sense of acceptance of others. Yes. Not everyone has it in the same degree, and that's perfectly great. And, and I like that because as you were talking, I was thinking about the importance of other people feeling comfortable in my presence, mm-hmm. you know, um, the ability to, you know, to, to, to the ability to, I don't even know, to have the skill to, that, that allows people to, you know, to feel, to be themselves, um, you know, when they're in your space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes a lot of um, openness and, and an ability to be able to um, to recognize that, you know, you may not be like me and that's okay. Um, you know, let me, you know, let me learn something about you. The that's ability right. to come inside of myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. the ability to do that. That's so true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to ask you, Harriet, what was it like interpreting for Peter Jennings? Mm-hmm. Well, Peter <laughs> Jennings was the anchor man, one of the anchor men for ABC News. He mm-hmm. has uh, passed away, but he was such a wonderful person. I was uh, working for the Tokyo Economic Summit uh, in 1978. Uh, that was the uh, Tokyo, where there were seven heads of state, and ABC wow. News obviously had a presence there, and Peter Jennings was there, as was a team of 50 ABC News uh, support people who I was responsible for integrating into the culture of Japan, and none of them spoke Japanese. So I was in charge of a team of 50, 50 men, actually. And... Uh, uh, Peter Jennings um, was uh, needing to go around uh, town to do some things, and I was his uh, select um, translator. So I was really happy to get to know him, to spend the day with him, interpret for him, uh, translate for him, help him with uh, what he needed to do that day to fulfill his uh, professional duties for research about um, and uh, research and shopping as well around uh, Tokyo. And then the rest of the 10 days, I was actually, you know, with the team, the ABC News team, doing uh, side stories, side jobs, Little League, this, that. And there was a lot of cultural differences there. I'll I'll pick one for you, which was interesting, Mm -hmm. which is here's the the team of ABC News guys from New York City and Los Angeles, and all they wanted was hamburgers. They did not want Mm -hmm. the Japanese cute cocktail cucumber sandwiches that were being offered. They wanted hamburgers. They wanted meat-eating, big (laughs) boy-style experience. And I had to find a place where they could get that. And that was a cultural thing. I knew both cultures. I knew it wasn't what they were going to be offered, 
And so I had to get into that, find the people that could make that happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just a little cultural thing that was uh, interesting. But back to Peter Jennings, you know, when when he passed away, I was um, I had only spent that one day with him, but I was so impressed with his ability to be fully present. I could see why he was such a well-known and well-loved anchor person, because he was fully present. I truly felt that he was interested in everyone and in me personally. I wasn't just a low-level translator that he got to, um, you know, have for the day so that I would go around and help him with everything. No, he was Mm -hmm. truly uh, a a person who was interested in the world and interested in learning and interested in accurate, um, fair, and uh, professional-level communication through his work. And he was an excellent, excellent communicator. So I really respected him and... When he passed away, I wish I had an address for him. I would have sent a letter about how he, just spending that day with him was so impactful for me. I was a very young professional, and uh, it, 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 really, um, it really is something I'll always remember. So thanks for asking about him. You're welcome. And it just seems like, it just seems like such a, a, um, an honor to, to be able to be um, in the presence of many of the individuals that your skills have allowed you to direct with. All right. I have um, just been amazed to be able to meet, you know, ambassadors and, uh, you know, uh, very high-level uh, people in businesses and companies uh, that I never imagined that I would, my world would have taken me to. And yet um, I see that the human essence of the human heart and the, and the nature of the human mind we all have a heart and we all have a mind, and how we use them, it doesn't matter what your what your level is or what your status is. It all works the same way, and the people that have acquired the skills to be able to do that are able to be um, uh, more successful and more comfortable in their skin in the work that they do. I like that. I like that. And um, that's a great lead-in to my next question. What is the best way to encourage creativity um, and when working with people from various cultures? Okay. If that That's makes good. sense. Yes, <laughs> no, it sense? does. Yes, yes, yes. Creativity is a good word there. Sometimes it is just about creativity. It's about thinking outside the box. You know, in verbal and nonverbal communications, only 7% is verbal communication. That leaves 93% is basically nonverbal. Gesture, facial expression, uh, situational, um, where are you, what are you doing? So let's take a really simple example. If you're in a store in a foreign country and you're standing there behind a, uh, outside the counter, there's a counter person there, and you're looking at some product and you point to it, I think that it's really understood what you want. You want to see that product and then you're going to ask the price And then you're either going to ask if it's too high or too low, can you bargain with it. Some cultures you don't barter or bargain for the price, but you just have a fixed price. You look at the price tag. All these kind of things are all embedded in that one action. You're standing there at a counter. You have no common language, and you point to something. It's well understood what that means. So what happens then when you're trying to describe something, but you don't have the situational context? You're not in a store. 
you're lost on the street. You have a map, you point Mm -hmm. to it, people help you. Okay, but what if you don't even have those tools and you're trying to communicate a deep feeling and you can, and it's almost like pantomime. You need to um, become creative with your hands, with your gestures, uh, with your um, uh, dictionary. Look up one word. It's almost like wordplay. Or maybe you need to just call someone over. Does anyone speak English? Or just sit there and and kind of breathe deeply for a minute and then project out an energy of what it is that you need. Like, I need help, and look like you need help. I need clarity, I need this, I need that. Or, are you okay? You know, the smile is universally accepted as a positive facial gesture. There are some complications with other facial expressions, but the smile is always considered positive in every culture. So that would be a way that you could communicate, but you have to get creative. And then there are some ways when you're teaching people to get creative that it's difficult in cultural training because a culture like Japan, no one wants to stand out from the crowd. So how do you get people to raise their hand in a classroom and stand up and and have a creative suggestion when they're used to having fact and answer, fact and answer as their study style? Whereas in America, you can barely have them put their hands down because everybody's got a new idea. Our cultures are different. So then the teacher or the trainer has to get creative and you look at that. So, for example, the example about Japan would be there's a training happening. Who do I I need to call on directly the most senior person so they will save face, be first, and make sure the question I ask them is not anything that they couldn't answer so that they show their status as the one who knows because they're the top hierarchy they're the, the highest status person, the one with the biggest title. They get it right, and then it opens up the floor for every junior executive to contribute now. But I have to know that in order to initiate it. Whereas in an American setting, I might start out my whole training with, what do you think about this? Let's have a few ideas and just wait, and somebody will pop their hand up. You see the difference? So that's oh, great wow. in and of itself. Being creative in how you even train, being creative in, in uh, your situations that you have, and, and do your homework. You know, if you're traveling somewhere where it's dangerous, you're not going to be alone in a dangerous place if, you're not, if, if there's going to be some, some unsafe situation. You know that before you go. So you make your, you make your safety nuts there beforehand. So, does that make sense? Yeah. It absolutely does, and and even when, and I'm thinking even when traveling to places like Canada, um, England, you know, even when 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 traveling to places that you know that we you know may be familiar with, even then it's still important to be mindful and to pay attention and and not to assume that everybody is like me. Or everybody does things the way I do, but it's just so important to just you know take a step back and and pay attention to the environment and and yeah. what's going on. Yeah, that's so right, Katrina. And that happens as you so expressly said before. It happens just from when you're from the other side of town or you're down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you look for the situations, uh, you look around you, check out your environment. But I always um, try to remember that when, it's almost as if I feel more freedom to be uniquely me in any way that manifests in my own turf because I have the right to be because I'm from here. There's like this mental thing that goes on and says, hey, I'm from here, I'm allowed to speak up. If I want a little law changed in my township, I'm going to go to the township meeting. But when I'm in another country or another place that's not my home turf, even if it's close culturally, I still consider myself a guest, a visitor. And I try to be uh, non-opinionated about things that are their culture unless it's positive feedback or a true question of why would this be? Because I'm a guest. Who am I to criticize their way of life or what's happening there? And um, so I try to stay neutral, and that's just how I am personally comfortable. Because if I start going into a place where I, from the outside, am having opinions about something that might be a fiery topic from their perspective, I don't even do that with my own friends here in, in my own town. You know, I just kind mm-hmm. of keep it keep it like, okay, uh, that's a loaded topic. Might be more comfortable not to talk about it and just see what we have in common instead of having a fiery discussion. But that's me. Other people really have passion about those kinds of discussions. But when I go on a professional trip to another country, I always try to remember, even if I've lived there before or I am... Um, there for a long term, that I'm still in a place where I am uh, looking at the culture as an interested uh, friend and guest and try to just respect um, that. An example of that would be I really, I, I wear long pants or long skirts when I'm in a country where you don't show your legs. Even if it may be accepted for tourists to do that, I try to not wear shorts in certain travel situations, for example, because no one else is wearing them. You know, And it's not that I'm giving up my freedom. I'm in another place. I'm just respecting custom. It doesn't hurt me to put on an extra layer and cover my shoulders instead of having sleeveless shirts on in particular countries. It's okay. I'm all right with that because it's just an external thing. Mm-hmm. And I like but I wouldn't that. I let like myself, that. Yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. let myself be compromised into um, being in a situation or having to do an action that goes against my moral fiber. That's yeah. a different thing. But external yeah. dressing, how you dress, how you hold your fork, the courtesies you have in a restaurant, what you do when you go to someone's house, the level of gift-giving those things are just learned behaviors and just makes it more comfortable mm-hmm. when you can when you can um, uh, observe others and try to blend in a little bit I love that concept of being of, of, of reminding myself that I am a guest 
when I am in a country, when I am in a, when I'm in a different country or in a different place. You know, it doesn't even have to be in a different country. I can, you know, I can be visiting, uh, you know, I can be visiting a, a different part of this country. And, and mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm, I'm visiting. I'm a visitor. And I'm here to learn. I'm here to, you know, to explore, to learn. Right. I like that. I think it, it, it shifts and it, it just changes everything in it. Um, it makes me more open and willing to learn, and I think other people just feel more comfortable with um, sure. accepting me. And there's and there's a, a really good turnaround on that, Katrina. There's an expression in India: "The guest is God," which is is mm-hmm. like the guest is really an honored guest. So when you are a guest in another place and you're not expecting other people to speak your language fluently, you're more happy when they can speak your language and help you. But, you know, when you're the guest, people will come and help you even more than normal. Mm-hmm. I, find, I have found that. When you're, you know, when you're, I mean, think of it yourself. Someone new comes into your town, do you reach out and welcome them? Someone comes from a foreign country. Aren't we on our best behavior, welcoming them to show them? Because people have a pride about their home turf, about their homeland, and they want to show you what their place is like. So if you're open to it, there you are. You make friends. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, how, how could companies go about creating a culture of diversity. And, you know, for example, I've got a, a small business. It's really small right now, but, you know, soon I may be adding employees. And, you know, I want to start thinking about cultural diversity and cultural competency now, you know, before I grow. And then there are even companies that, you know, that are, are, are you know, mid-sized, small, mid-sized, large. You know, what can companies do to become more, um, you know, culturally uh, competent or culturally aware. Right. Um, first of all, when you're talking about companies, companies have their own culture. Each company has, they talk about corporate cultures. Each company has its own corporate culture. What are the goals of the company? What kind of business do they do? There are, not everyone has to be an even mix of all things. First of all, see, first you look at what the company is like and what they need as their goals. And then you look at, are you going to be looking at an idea of a melting pot in the company or are you going to look at the idea of more like a salad bowl, they call it, or a mosaic or a kaleidoscope? See, one is trying to make everyone the same, melting pot. Make it together, smooth it out, and then everyone now is expected to become blended into what that corporate culture is. Or are you going to look at the diversity and the differences of the different individuals in the company as assets where they can live together in the salad bowl, but each um, maintain their own uniqueness and their own um, strengths? And Across time, and from the 60s throughout, 70s, 80s, there have been so many different methodologies for creating teams, quality circles, T 
team team blending. There are there are um, many 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 ways. You know, the, putting the producer with the innovator with the creator, seeing if that works. But those are just different systems that you try out. They may not appeal to each company. They may not be necessary for each company. So to answer your question, look at the idea of are you trying to do it because it's interesting to you or are you doing it because it's a need in the company? And uh, with that also, what is the goal that you're trying to reach? And also look at what's the definition that you have of cultural diversity within that group of people. Is it cultural like a different culture from a different country, blended backgrounds of people? Is it uh, sexual orientation, religious orientation? Is it a um, male-female orientation? What are the levels of diversity that you're looking at in order to uh, create teams of people that, that can move the company forward or the business forward? They may be more blended or they may be more separate. And so that, there, there are a lot of different elements there. And I think that that's maybe the first way to look at is what is the essence of what you're trying to do? Sometimes good ideas aren't necessarily matched up with the, good, with the goals. So maybe the goals of the movement of the entity, the company, need to be reassessed. Or maybe the good idea was a good idea in theory, but it's not really applicable in this situation. So that would be my first question is, what are you looking for? Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear. I hear it could require an assessment. <laughs> yeah, an assessment. I mean, there are all kinds of um, diversity trainings. There are many uh, ways to look at that. But what is it you're really wanting? It could be because you are in a smaller business. It could just be that you personally want to learn more. But uh, and then from that launching pad you can find other opportunities in there. Does that maybe appeal to you? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. okay. Hmm. So uh, how does leadership play into uh, cultural competency? I think that the definition of a good leader is someone who is able to motivate from a positive place rather than uh, push for results from almost like a punishment or negative aspect. Um, So the more honor and respect a leader gives to the people they are leading, the more they lift them up and see their own uniqueness and how they can contribute positively and also conscious ways of communicating feedback when there needs to be some tweaking and refinement of someone's skills or behavior. All those skills I consider foundational for a good leader in my definition. So how does cross-cultural competency come into that? Then the leader needs to really be in a place where they can see that this task just doesn't match that person, no matter how much we train them. They need to be in this other kind of position. 
or mm-hmm. the personality of the person. Maybe a certain kind of task is just too overwhelming for them. Or maybe they're really, really sharp in one area, but they have no personality skills to talk to their coworkers. And companies do this all the time. They give communication workshops to technicians. They give this to that and the other thing. In fact, it's very interesting that AT&T actually has a position at the VP level of cross-cultural um, what they call it, a vice president level of diversity marketing at AT&T. There's an actual post wow. at the VP level because companies recognize it's not only about inside the company, it's about outside the company. Who are you selling to? How are you going to market to those people? Everyone outside of you you're marketing to Maybe a different culture. You're not going to sell in one way to one population as another. I know that in my business. I have to communicate with a younger generation by short messages that they get on their iPods and then they email me. They don't want all my signature lines. (laughs) They just want the answer quickly. And I can't really write a linguistically correct email necessarily. I can write it correctly, but I have to make it short. And then there are other people that are looking at my email in my generation. We're looking at emails like they're formal business letters. Everything's correct. Make sure you have a signature, this, that, and the other thing. And then pretty soon there's no emails at all, and it's just you know the phone, the teleconferencing. How do people communicate is a whole other level. You have to have diversity just in how you communicate and how you reach out to people, let alone the idea of who are the models in those ads. How are you going to get into that? With Japan, you just have to have long-term patience. But once you're in, you're in for life into a company relationship. And other cultures, you have to, you know, wine and dine. Other cultures, you have to really just have your facts in a row. They don't want any fluff around it. They just want to know what's the bottom line and, and go forward. They're not really particularly into relationship building. So those things are where, you know, when you market or you sell or you interact, all those things come into play. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Now, I'm hearing um, in some of the things that you talked about, I'm hearing some etiquette. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. hearing yeah, I'm hearing some etiquette, and so I um, want to ask you just a few questions because I know we're, we're kind of winding down yeah. mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. time. But I want to ask you, um, when you know talking about being around different cultures, being around people with different values, and and, and that that type of thing, um, is it true that how I interact with someone who is maybe economically disadvantaged is different than someone who is affluent? I think that that is um, a, a very perceptive question. And I believe that everyone has their own perception of what they assume a situation or a person is until they start to delve in and get to know them. We are all making assessments. A person in a suit is going to respond or elicit a different kind of response 
than someone whose you know genes are half ripped and they and they haven't bathed for a few days. You know, they're you're just all of a sudden the mind is saying that person is coming from work or something, and this other person might be disadvantaged or you know homeless or something. I'm just making up a, a very uh, broad stereotypical example. Mm-hmm. Everything we see, everything we do, everything we think is based on preconceived notions. You can't get away from it because that is the very nature of the mind. This is yoga. That's the nature of the mind and that's what we learn. So the question really is, do I do that? Yes, I think we all might do that. But what do you do with that thought and perception is the real question. If you see someone that looks economically disadvantaged, do you judge them in a certain way? Do you create all of a sudden a rigid body and fear and wondering if they're going to, you know, step in your path and ask for your wallet? Are your presumptions or assumptions going to go into then an action? Or are you going to be relaxed but aware of the thought that you have and become clear of becoming neutral in the situation and just recognizing, learning how you think and how you assume things begins to uncover your own concepts and beliefs yourself. And then you might, from that learning, not react, but rather respond. Reaction is just rehashing habitual thoughts. But responding is appropriate action for the situation at that time in the moment, beyond your preconceptions. You see the difference there? So then you would respond to that moment instead of reacting through some prejudice. And that will change everything. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm. That That was very beautifully put. Thank you mm. for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for allowing now, me to express it. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, how important is perception um, of how others view me when we talk about cross-cultural competency? Right, right. I think that the truth is the highest form of of aspiration for me. I will dress the part how people perceive me. Obviously, if I'm going to a business meeting, I'm wearing a suit and I, my hair is done and I have proper, appropriate makeup on. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, you know, uh, in another situation, I'm going to be differently. So I will dress the role of the appropriateness of the situation that I'm in. Okay? But that's just mm-hmm. external. I'm not being false. I'm being true. But when it comes to trying to project an image of who I am when I'm not that, mm-hmm. that I try not to do. I try to find in myself the places where I truly am and be okay with what I don't know and ask questions appropriately or study or learn. And that is because I can never be permanently Projecting an image, it's very stressful to project an image so others will perceive me a certain way when it's not real, when it's not who I am. 
it ultimately causes stress because you're not doing something that flows naturally. But if you can just have your parameters and boundaries for appropriateness in society and then allow your true genuine self to come forth and and honor that you are this way and that that's okay. And if you want to refine things, go ahead. But that it's okay in each moment who you are. I am not a scientist, for example. I, mm-hmm. I, I marvel at people that are, you know, technical. But on the other hand, I, I praise and look at, oh, well, who am I, though? And so um, how important is perception and others view me? It's only important when you need to have a role and be appropriate to make people comfortable in the setting that you're choosing to go into, like dress and speech and gift giving and who enters the room first and make sure you got your business card and all those little techniques. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter how people perceive you if you are happy with yourself. I like that, and I hear your yoga practice just... I just hear your yoga practices being <laughs> intertwined in this in this conversation that we have had, and um, wow, it's, it's centering me. I tell you, <laughs> and there are I, really like universal. Ask, oh, I'm sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, you I was going to say there are universal courtesies. You know, you want people mm-hmm. to perceive you, but courtesy is something that's felt. Politeness is felt and understood. The smile is universal. So even if you step on your toes or you put your foot in your mouth or, you know, you do things that are make you look like the oaf in the middle of the lily pad, you know what I mean, and you make mistakes, mm-hmm. people yeah. are genuinely, people are fine with a foreigner making a mistake because they're not expecting you to know everything. And so okay. if you do it with grace and courtesy and, and you just try your best, to be polite, and then just say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do this. People apologize all the time. It's your intention that people feel. Okay. Okay. I like that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And how how can we learn more about you? Um, How can we learn more about you, um, your cross-cultural communications training, um, and and contacting you? How How can we do that? Well, um, my name is Harriet Russell, as you know, and my company is Boomies International. It's spelled B-H-U-M-I, apostrophe S, International, and my website is boomiesinternational.com. I also have an up-and-coming website that's not launched yet that's just my name, harrietrussell.com. But if you go to boomiesinternational.com or you Google Harriet Russell and find me, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook. I have, um, you know, uh, ways that you can contact me. The phone numbers are there, et cetera. That is the best way. And um, to learn more about what I do, uh, give me a call. I really like um, being able to get to know people uh, by telephone. And uh, so many people have cell phones, it's easy to call. And if that's not the best way to communicate with me, shoot me an email and or look at my website and we'll be in touch. But I love um, helping to – I love education for myself, and that's why I studied so many languages and love to travel. But I also love helping other people find ways to educate themselves 
and I do like to offer quality educational products that help with this. And I'd be happy to come and speak to a group or an association uh, if that if that suits your needs. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'd say like my to phone thank number. You, for... you want me to say my phone number? Please, please do, <laughs> please. Okay, yes. 440 236 6366. That'll make it easy. Okay. okay, and your web address? My web address is boomyinternational.com or Harriet at boomyinternational.com. And um, my uh, uh, Facebook links are, uh, my LinkedIn uh, name is Harriet Russell. Harriet Boomy Russell. And that's spelled B-H-U-M-I. B-H-U-M-I means be healthy under my instruction. Mm, And it's also a a Sanskrit word that means mother, it means earth. And so I try to use that to remind myself to stay grounded in what I know is true for me and to stay open with my feet on the ground to all the possibilities of what others can teach me. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Well, Harriet, we would like to thank you for coming on to our show, and we welcome you back at any time. Thank you so much, Katrina. It's nice to talk with you today. Thank you. And we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness, challenges, and solutions. Join us every Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Bring a friend and share the prosperity. All right, everybody, have a great week. Have a great week, Harriet. Thank you, Katrina. It's great being with you today. Thank you. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. Ah.